It's always a very dangerous thing. Realize that um, you know most people by the time it gets to lunchtime uh, have forgotten the profound words that uh, the minister has spoken. So it's never very good for our self-esteem um, to ask for a recap. Uh, so I'm, I'm being I'm putting my self-esteem on the line here um, and just seeing what you can uh, recap over the last couple of weeks. All right, so please don't let me down here. Okay, um, we've been talking about finances. I'll give you a clue. We're talking about finances. And uh, first week, uh, I talked about three principles from a passage in uh, 1 Timothy, three principles when it concerns money. And the first was the big picture that everything, ah, yes, thank you, Sean, everything, say everything, everything that you have uh, belongs to God. You might think that's not fair, I earned it. Uh, who gave you the ability to earn? Uh, who placed you uh, in the family that gave you the education uh, that you had, who placed you uh, in the country where you live, uh, it's God. Everything belongs to God. It's on loan uh, from God. Everything belongs to God. And then I talked about the, you're on fire here, <laughs> the debt trap. That's right. You don't, don't answer anymore because no one else is answering, all right? Um, the debt trap, okay, that uh, talks in this passage about our love for money gets us into trouble, and uh, New Zealanders love our credit card, and, and it gets us in a trap. A, a desire for more uh, means that we put things uh, on credit. to answer. It's a test of our faith. That's right, Catherine. <laughs> My self-esteem's hanging in there. Um, <laughs> the faith test, that's right, that actually uh, money competes with our allegiance, as it were, uh, for God, uh, that we can't actually love God and money, that actually money becomes a crucial litmus test in terms of faith. All right. even if you weren't here last week. Five things you can do with money. You can, you can spend it, that's right. You can give it away. You can save it. Oh, well done. <laughs> that's right. You can pay some tax. That's right. There's one other thing you do with it. You repay debt. That's right. You can repay debt. And I suggested that there's actually an order uh, in which uh, the Bible teaches us to do this. So the first is we're to give it away. Uh, typically, we spend it first. And, um, and give it away last. I said the Bible actually teaches that their first priority is to give uh, back to God. And the amount uh, isn't the issue. The issue is that we set aside an amount, first of all, to give away. And the giving away is always uh, the fundamental issue in terms of giving it away, which has been uh, ever since right back from the beginning of time, the issue is one of trust. The fundamental issue is one of trust. Can I trust that if I give the first portion of my income away, however much that is, I'm going to trust that God is going to provide for my needs uh, in the future. Okay. Today I want to look at our attitude uh, to giving. I want to look at attitude to giving. And I'm going to look at a passage from 2 Corinthians um, chapter 9, which, um, which we're going to go through the book of 2 Corinthians later in the year. And so we might, uh, when we do that, miss out this chapter because I'm going to do it today. 
Now, to get your heads around uh, what this passage is all about, you have to understand some context. I'll give you some context first of all. Uh, right back uh, the early church, the Jewish Christians were in severe financial hardship. Now, we don't really know why. It talks about in Acts 11 of a famine. Uh, was it the famine? Was it because of persecution? But for whatever reason, the church in Jerusalem and the Christians were in severe financial hardship. And uh, so Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, had initiated a collection among all the other churches that he had planted, all the non-Jewish churches all around the Roman Empire. He initiated a collection to help the church, the sort of mother church in Jerusalem. The Corinthians had jumped at the idea of having this collection, uh, but now it's a year later, and they hadn't actually done anything about it. Now, Corinth was, uh, just, we'll read it in a minute, go back to the other slide. Uh, Corinth was um, a, a like um, Corinth was short of money. They just hadn't done anything about this collection. Um, possibly they got distracted by some false teachers that had diverted some money, we don't know. Meantime, the churches in Macedonia, which is another region, had suffered terribly uh, through persecution and financial hardship, and uh, so a very poor region. And yet Paul said they begged to be part of the selection and had given generously and sacrificially. I don't know if you've ever done um, door-to-door collection. Uh, they don't do door-to-door collections now, but years ago, you know, you'd offered to be a volunteer for the Red Cross or whatever. I remember doing it one year, and um, it's so true uh, what they told you. You go to a house that's clearly where there's not much money, uh, you think, oh, I'm not going to get anything in this house, uh, you get $20. Uh, you go to a house um, which is clearly uh, got lots of money, uh, you'd be lucky to get any money at all. <laughs> it, was, it was quite fascinating. Uh, yeah, time and time again. Anyway, so the Corinth church had not got around to doing anything about this matter. Um, So Paul is now writing to the Corinthians, and he's telling them, reminding them of their commitment to help with the selection. And he's telling them, actually, a team is on the way to pick up the money. And it might well include some from the Macedonian churches who had generously. And he doesn't want them to be embarrassed when the team turned up. So he's encouraging them to give. And so this is what we read about in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem, for I know how eager you are to help, and I've been boasting to the churches of Macedonia that you and Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that set up, stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. But I'm sending not to mention your own embarrassment, if some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all I told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. 
In the same way, He'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way so you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they'll joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they'll give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they'll pray with you for deep, of deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given you. Thank God for this gift. All that she had, trusting that God was going to provide for her. She had not given out of her wealth, she had given out of a, a hard attitude of wanting to give to God. Now, I mean, there's all kinds of reasons how, you know, our attitude could be towards giving. You know, we can give in embarrassment. We're not really the ones that, you know, give nothing. So we sort of embarrassingly, embarrassingly give some money. Or we can give out of pride. Uh, you know, it's funny, you see those charity auctions where they invite a whole lot of wealthy people uh, to a charity auction and, uh, you know, someone bids a million dollars for something, some obscure item, and, you know, someone on the next table thinks they don't want to be outdone, so they bid a million and a half, you know. Um, no one's done that for a painting yet. Um, so clearly pride's not an issue around here. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, Jesus said when we give, actually we need to keep it between ourselves and God. It's not about you know, um, out giving someone else and being proud of it. And we try to do that here in terms of our giving. You know, none of the staff know uh, how much uh, you give. Um, we very much try and keep it confidential. Uh, it's not totally confidential if you give by AP, obviously, because this is an electronic trail. But, um, uh, you know, we, we, we don't publish what people give. We don't look at what people give. Uh, we try to honor what Jesus said, that uh, your giving is between you and God. Sometimes we can give just out of a duty. Well, it's my duty to pay some money, I suppose I ought to pay. Sort of like we grudgingly pay taxes, we know we ought to, we pay our taxes, so I ought to give some money to the church. So our attitude can be one of duty. Also, our attitude could be one of compulsion. You know, we feel compelled uh, to give. Uh, you know, I, I talked last week about some uh, churches, you know, saying you, you must give 10%. Um, the church... Uh
gives cheerfully. So, so there's two attitudes in terms of our attitude towards giving that come out here. One is generosity, and the other is cheerfulness. And now some people, uh, I've heard this weird teaching that says, um, now the root word for the word cheerful is hilarious, and so we're to give hilariously, recklessly. Um, that is really bad exegesis, <laughs> right? Uh, the word simply means cheerfully, all right? So we're not to give recklessly, uh, with abandon, um, at all. The, the word simply means we are to give cheerfully. Now the problem with uh, giving generously and cheerfully is that I can quite happily manage one or the other, but trying to do them both together is quite tricky, <laughs> all right? So I can give a dollar to God quite, quite cheerfully. Is a dollar God? Um, I can easily give a dollar to God cheerfully, happily. Uh, I can also give a thousand dollars to God, but it's a bit more hard to be cheerful. <laughs> so I can't give a thousand dollars to God, but I can't quite get the cheerfulness bit right. So to try and get the two together uh, is, is slightly problematic. How do I give cheerfully and generously at the same time? And I, you know, as I thought about this in terms of my own heart attitude, uh, you know, I suspect my heart attitude is more along the duty sort of line. I give out a duty rather than actually seeing sort of large dollops of either generosity or. Ch- Someone actually I didn't like. <laughs> I didn't really like this person. They really annoyed me. Um, none of you, of course. Um, <laughs> this is years ago. Uh, but this person really got on my nerves. Um, and, and I sensed God uh, tell me to give them this large amount of money. Uh, and in the end, I managed to be obedient. But, but it was quite painful. I, I, still, I didn't get the cheerfulness bit right. It really hurt. Um, and, but yeah. So it's a challenge. This cheerfulness and this generosity. But Paul says that three things happen when we give generously and cheerfully. He says the first thing is that your heart will be enlarged. He said God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As we give generously, God will provide for our needs. Now this is not a prosperity doctrine, which I passionately hate. Um, this is not God will make you wealthy and um, those guys on TV that um, preach this weird stuff, um, you know, give to God and God will give you more money and then, you know, the motive gets all twisted and, and round the wrong way. But as we give to God, it's an invite to God to be part of our finances. Where as we give to Him, we're inviting God into the finances of our life. And God says that He will provide. When I was in my uh, mid-twenties, I worked for two years at Valley Road Baptist Church as a community worker. Uh, And I was running this um, thing called uh, the work team. And uh, I was drawing an income from that that was actually less than um, the uh, minimum way, or the the dole at the time. And yet repeatedly, I saw God provide for my needs. I never went without in that time. After those two years, I went to Bible college. Uh, I went on an overseas mission, uh, well, back to New Zealand, actually. It was overseas for Australia. Uh, Back to New Zealand for a mission. 
uh, I paid my fees to that Bible college, I saw God provide time after time. And as I saw that happen, uh, my faith was expanded. My heart was expanded in terms of God. You know, as we ask God for opportunities to do good and to give, our heart is expanded. It's one of the promises that God will enrich our heart. Your own heart will grow just that little bit more as you respond to the heart of God. The other thing that happens is that actually, Paul says, it enlarges other people's hearts. He said, you'll be enriched in every way, so you can always be generous. And when we take these gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry giving. The needs of the believers will be met, and they'll joyfully express their thanks to God. You see, when someone is generous to us, uh, it does something in our heart. It enlarges our heart. I shared last week how, you know, um, a few years ago, someone uh, gave us a car and, and how that expanded our hearts through their generosity. Why? Because in the face of such generosity, you can't help but be generous. You know, when we're the recipients of other people's generosity, we can only praise God with thanksgiving. Let me tell you another story uh, <laughs> from my um, dubious past. Um, <laughs> when I started this work scheme uh, at Valley Road, um, someone gave the church a car um, so that uh, so I transport and the work scheme uh, could begin to operate. And um, I was working part-time for the work scheme and I was working part-time um, at a halfway house. Anyway, I'd worked for the weekend at this halfway house and I decided on my day off I'd go to the beach at Pihar. And uh, so I was driving out to Pihar and it's a windy sort of road and I managed to crash the car. <laughs> Only just been given a few weeks earlier. So um, I went around this corner too fast. I wasn't speeding, but I took the corner too fast for the... 180B and I wasn't a very experienced driver and that's in 180Bs were very tail happy. Uh, and so... And it was rather dinged up and all the tyres came off and whatnot. <laughs> it was all very embarrassing. Um, this has nothing to do with the story, but I'd actually just picked up a hitchhiker um, about a kilometre before. And <laughs> the hitchhiker... I did not say a word <laughs> and took off down the road. Anyway, so the next day, um, Tuesday, I had to front up to the pastor um, to tell him that I'd uh, crashed the car. So there's the pastor and the associate pastor, and there's me, and I had to tell them the story of wrecking the car. Um, so funny, because he only asked, he listened to my story, and they were very gracious about it. He only asked one question, I still remember this. This is a 20-something-year-old guy. He said one question, he said, uh, was the hitchhiker a male or female? <laughs> Now, fortunately, fortunately for my sake, because I could see what he was thinking. He was thinking, oh, he's picked up some young girl and he's got distracted or showing off. Fortunately, the hitchhiker...
And uh, I remember being struck at the time because I knew it was entirely my fault. I was entirely responsible for this accident. And, uh, you know, I should pay for excess. And yet the person had paid the money to me. And I thought, I don't deserve that. Uh, the only thing I could do was praise God and thank God for His grace. To me, it became both a powerful illustration of God's grace, uh, of undeserved favor, but also it expanded my heart. It enlarged my heart. Someone else's generosity to me enlarged my heart. As we give generously to others, it enlarges people's hearts. They praise God. They're more likely to be generous. Their hearts are expanded. Lastly, giving and generosity uh, actually enlarges God's glory. Okay, I'm not entirely sure that's true because I'm not sure God's glory can be enlarged, but it fits with the other two, so, <laughs> so, so I made it like that. Uh, it, it shows God's glory. Whether God's glory can be enlarged, I'm not sure. Uh, theologically. But he said, as a result of your ministry, uh, verse uh, 13, as a result of your giving, they will give glory to God. Your generosity to them and to all believers will prove you're obedient to the good news of Christ. And I'll pray for you with deep affection because of the overwhelming grace God has given you. You see, when we give generously, God is glorified because it reflects God's character and its counterculture. God is a giver. Paul points that out. Uh, God generously gave his own son. He didn't withhold his own son. God is not a stingy giver. He says in uh, verse 9 of the chapter before, he says, You know how full of love and kindness our Lord Jesus Christ was. Though he is rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. As we give generously, it reflects the heart and the character of God himself. So three things Paul was saying. As we give cheerfully and generously, your hearts will be enlarged, other people's hearts will be enlarged, and God's glory will be enlarged. But in chapter 8, Paul says, I'm not commanding you this, to do this. You can't command someone to be generous and cheerful. You might better command them to be generous, but you can't command them to be generous and cheerful because it's a hard attitude. And so you might think, well, it's not a command, and so it's just not an option, really. You know, it's just optional. Um, this kind of giving is optional. I'll, I'll just give what I feel like, and, and I'll try and do it cheerfully. But I don't actually think that it's optional. Tells them to excel in this ministry. He says, this is actually a way you can prove your love is real. Generosity will prove that you're obedient to the good news of Christ. See, how we give is actually a reflection of our heart and passion towards God. How we give is actually a fair indication. How we give, not the amount we give, but how we give, is actually an attitude towards giving, is actually a fair indication of how we see God. You know, I think of the woman who, um, who broke out the perfume uh, over Jesus. A and the others said, oh, this is terrible. What a waste of money. But because she had been deeply touched, she wanted to deeply give back. If we had been deeply touched by God, 
we'll want to give more. But if we see God as a mean, stingy God who gives out very meagerly, and, and it's really sort of this angry sort of God who, who we sort of, if that's our view of God, then it will impact on our attitude towards giving. So the question is, how do we grow into be a cheerful and generous giver? So if I pray, God, help me to be a cheerful and generous giver, what is God going to do? Well, we could think, well, I'll just wait for God to zap me. You know, if I pray this enough times, then God will zap me, and I'll suddenly realize that I'm generous and cheerful at the same time. So you could do that, um, but I want to suggest that's probably not the way God will work. All right? That you won't pray this prayer, and God will supernaturally zap you, and you'll think, wow, I've got a super zap of cheerfulness and generousness. Um, because generally that's not how God does things. If you dare to pray a prayer, flick on the next slide. If you dare to pray a prayer like this, God, change my heart so I might be a more cheerful and generous giver. First of all, it's a very dangerous prayer to pray. <laughs> but I want to suggest that rather than God zap you uh, and you sort of get a supernatural buzz so you know this, uh, that what God will do is that he'll give you an opportunity. God will give you an opportunity. And the challenge for us is to take it. Verse 10 says, God will give you many opportunities to do good and he'll produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So I think if you were to pray that prayer, God would give opportunity for you to be generous. Now the challenge is for you to take that opportunity. Now there does need to be some discernment here. You know, if you get a phone call on Monday morning and it's from some charity that's, you know, saving the three-legged, um, three-legged uh, something, um, I'm trying to think of a suitable animal uh, to pick on, um, three-legged um, pigs in uh, outer Mongolia, um, maybe that's not a God-given opportunity. No disrespect to the three-legged pigs in outer Mongolia. Uh, who I'm sure have a hard life. Um, but we do need some discernment because, as you know, you know you'll get five o'clock to see your trunk with tea. <laughs> they ring you up. Uh, there is need to be some discernment here. Um, there needs to be some discernment around giving to others. I, in Turpel, had to tell the church, please don't give money to people in church who ask for it. It's really unwise. Come and talk to us first as a leadership, because often people who ask for money, you're feeding their addiction, and sometimes we knew that as pastoral staff and, and others in the church didn't know that. So we do need some discernment. We need some discernment because sometimes people give money and then they end up in debt to others. I remember once uh, when I was in, in uh, Eastside, you know, someone came from across the road and they'd given all their money to the church and then they wanted to a different church, and then they wanted us to give them a food parcel. What? How does that work? <laughs> so you give all your money to another church, and then you ask the church across the road for a food parcel. That doesn't make sense. Um, we do need some discernment. But what I'm saying is if we pray that prayer, I think God will give us opportunity. When that opportunity comes, need to remember, this is an opportunity to expand my heart. This is an opportunity to expand other people's hearts. This is an opportunity to give glory to God. 
Generosity is like many things. As we practice it, it actually becomes easier. God never says, look, I want you to give away this much money straight away. But God begins to expand our heart, begins to to help us uh, become more generous. As you wait for the opportunity, if you dare to pray such a prayer as this, as you wait for that opportunity, and I believe God will give it to you, the opportunity for you to practice generosity, whether it be increasing your AP here, whether it be giving to someone in need, uh, whether it be whatever it is, I think if you dare to pray that prayer, God will give you the opportunity to practice it. But as you remember, uh, as you wait for that opportunity to practice generosity, uh, remember that all that you have is actually on loan. You won't take any of it with you. Uh, It's on loan from God. It's a resource given by God, and it's on loan. God promises He will provide for us. And one day, we're going to have to give an account for how we use our money. As you take one step this week to be generous, then the next step will just be that little bit easier. I'm going to pray, and the team are going to come to the front. So if you dare to pray this prayer uh, with me, uh, then uh, do that. If you want to grow, to be not only a cheerful giver, but a generous giver as well. God, we have sung this morning of your incredible generosity to us. Lord, we've acknowledged your goodness to us that you are a generous God. We've sung of your love. We've sung of you being a cornerstone we can rely on. We've thanked you and we've worshipped you for what you've done for us, what you're doing for us. We've heard testimony of your goodness to us. God, I ask that you'd expand our hearts, that we might reflect your heart as a generous and cheerful giver. God, that we'd not give grudgingly, we'd not give sparingly, we'd not give unwisely evil, Lord God, but Lord, Expand our hearts. Because God, all that we have comes from you. All that we have one day will go back to you. So God, we dare to ask you, expand our hearts that we might be cheerful and generous in our giving because that reflects you. In Jesus' name.